right, well, I'm Rob Faye filling in for Jody Vance. Those are definitely big shoes to fill, but I'm very lucky because this is something that is near and dear to my heart. I am joined by the founder and CEO of BioVaxis Technology, James Passon. James, good morning. How are you today? Yeah, I'm great, Rob. Thank you very much for inviting me to uh, come on your show today. Oh, it's no problem. And I think there's some big things that are happening with you guys. You guys went public last year. Can you walk me through the nerves of finally taking this public and everything that's gone into the last 12 months? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Uh, we, you know, I'm someone personally uh, who has a deep familiarity with the Canadian capital markets. And I, I've been involved for 20 years on the buy side as a hedge fund manager, quite active with Canadian issuers. Um, I retired from that business and, and now I'm an entrepreneur, an investor, and a businessman. Uh, so I'm on the other side of the fence. But uh, for me, there was no other choice other than uh, the Canadian capital market to list uh, BioVaxis. And uh, so there was a lot of work, absolutely, in getting the listing statement together, uh, putting a deal together with a listed uh, shell company, and then uh, transforming that uh, merged entity into BioVaxis and raising some capital. But uh, that's now ancient history, and we're moving forward as a, uh, as a public issuer. When you think of taking something public, and again, I'm just talking to the average Joe like myself, for example, walk me through what that means. Because, you know, the difference between public and private, I think we all assume we know what that is. But can you walk me through what it took to get that public? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and well, if you look, uh, you know, really from uh, sort of the broader, the broader conception, uh, you know, why go public? Uh, well, the, the reality is that, you know, as a, as a relatively early stage private company, uh, capital is very expensive. So uh, to get capital that's incentivized to go into a private business where there's no liquidity, there's no clear exit, uh, unclear timeframes, you know, generally the, you know, that capital is going to be expensive, whether it's debt or equity or some combination. Uh, and, and really, you can look at, uh, at the history of uh, technology companies where the, uh, the venture capital investors, even the angel investors, have a disproportionate impact on the governance and on business development, on uh, you know, management strategy. Um, as a public issuer, uh, you can attract uh, you know, a whole a different universe of capital, whether it's high net worths, family offices, uh, funds, uh, but, but essentially the universe of investors that will come into a public company. And even if they come into a private placement uh, into a public issuer, like a pipe deal with a four month hold, uh, there, there is plenty of capital available that is not going to make uh, the same exacting demands that the, you know, the venture capital investors would make. Uh, uh, and then, uh, you know, the other advantage is that, is that you get the multiplier effect, you know, as, as a public company. And as a private company, you know, if you make a dollar, you, you keep a dollar. But as a, as a public company, you get a price earnings multiple and you even get a multiple on future earnings. So that, uh, you know, the, there, there's a huge incentive to uh, to go public. I mean, not simply to increase the value of your business assets, uh, but to, ex you know, make it easier to access access capital to actually develop. Uh, you know, uh, your, your product lines. And in our case, our product lines are solving some of the most important human health problems in the world. So we're quite keen to move forward. It's not really just about money and economics, but it's about, uh, you know, changing the world uh, and, and improving human health with, with, with our technology, which is really the reason why, you know, I co-founded BioVaxis and why I'm sitting here today with you.
Well, let's talk about that, James, because the world obviously turned on its ear about 16 months ago. BioVaxis is right in the wheelhouse of what everybody's trying to learn about right now. Antiviral, anti-cancer. These are two things that are obviously near and dear to my heart as well, if you knew a little bit about my story. But let's talk more about your story. The world right now is looking for solutions and BioVaxis is right in that conversation. Well, our, our technology, uh, which is... Uh, based on uh, a concept, which um, it's probably not a word that uh, many people are familiar with, but uh, we call it haptonization. Uh, and I'll get into haptonization in more detail uh, if that's of interest, but effectively haptonization is a tool which enables the creation of novel vaccines that are able to flag a, uh, an antigen, whether it's a cancer antigen, whether it's a viral antigen, uh, but effectively to flag an antigen as, uh, as being dangerous and effectively rendering it highly immunogenic. And then when that is introduced back to the immune system, uh, the human immune system will mount uh, both an antibody, but more importantly than that, a robust T-cell response to the haptonized antigen. And effectively, uh, this is uh, what this is technology uh, effectively uh, pioneered by our chief medical officer and technology founder, Dr. David Bird, who uh, retired professor of immunology, uh, practicing oncologist and a serial biotech inventor. Uh, and uh, oddly enough, uh, hap there, were, there were doctors playing around with Hopkins with uh, with patients 100 years ago, but it really died out until Dr. Bird picked up the flag and invented a haptonized vaccine platform. But, uh, but the essence is that by haptonizing, uh, we can help the immune system differentiate between self and other, if, if, if simplistically. I want to get into that because I always think of stigmas when it comes to a, you know, kind of a, a full circle effect. I mean, you talked about haptonization a century ago, and now you talk about reintroducing it to a new generation. Was that something that you felt um, was a hurdle or did you think that you were striking gold by bringing this back into the conversation in, in today's world? Well, at the, at the, if you look at the literature, and again, this is, uh, you know, in the old days, a long time ago, before we have the current standards of research, doctors found that they could inject uh, this class of chemicals called haptins, in, for example, into warts, and uh, that they would tend to clear up. Uh, but there wasn't much understanding of what was happening. But it's really Dr. Bird that pioneered uh, the concept of haptinization, which is a bit different. So what, we don't just inject haptins into people, but in fact, what we do is we uh, conjugate a haptin uh, to, uh, for example, to uh, to a vi to, to, the, to a, vi a viral protein or to a irradiated cancer cell, we effectively combine the haptin with, with, with the, the target cell or viral protein. And, and, and effectively what that does is it renders the haptonized antigens to be highly immunogenic, by which I mean is that they present to the immune system. And the immune system sees this haptonized antigen and says, you know what, we really don't like it. We, we don't like this. And effectively, that, that can become a tool to educate the immune system to mount a, an immune response against uh, the underlying antigen that's been haptonized. And even in the case, for example, of a cancer antigen where the immune system really will tolerate cancer and say, you know what, this, this does not look foreign, we're gonna leave it alone. But when you haptonize the cancer antigens, you can train the immune system to launch, use its own resources of, of T cells, the killer T cells, 
and uh, effectively the suite of, of T cells and to attack the cancer antigens. Um, so this really is a uh, potentially a paradigm shift in cancer treatment, because instead yeah. of simply suppressing the immune system of cancer patients and poisoning them with, with, with for example, you know, chemo and radiation, uh, is that instead we're going to, we're going to straight, you know, effectively use the patient's own immune system to join the fight against cancer. Not that that will replace these traditional <laughs> treatments, but it could be an addition. And, uh, and then really what we had a breakthrough uh, on the virus side, when the COVID hit, and we'd been following it, uh, my, my team actually had been following it since December. And when things started locking down, uh, we wanted to do something to help. And Dr. Bird and I both immediately came to the conclusion that by haptonizing the S1 subunit of what's called the spike protein, that you could create an effective vaccine and you could flag it to the immune system, which would mount a T cell response, I mean, as well as an antibody response. Uh, to, to COVID. And what we thought was particularly exciting about this approach is, uh, number one, the importance of T-cell immunity. Now, Dr. Bird, in the decades that he worked in human trials under FDA-regulated FDA human trials, successfully developing a hoptonized cancer vaccine, that's all about T-cells. Because antibodies don't do anything with, with, with cancer. So he, he's really deep in on T-cells. So we knew we'd get a T-cell response. And what now, if you look at peer-reviewed literature and authoritative scientific information about COVID, it's clear that that T-cell immunity is lasting in, in healthy individuals that recover from COVID and that the, the you know, antibody response can begin to wave, wane after time, but the T-cell immunity is durable. And in fact, there was a study from Singapore that patients that had contracted and recovered from SARS-CoV-1, which is a very similar virus 17 years ago, still have protective T-cell immunity to SARS-CoV-1. It doesn't go mm. away. I mean, it, it doesn't go away for a long time. And it's also more likely to be cross-reactive against different variants. So, that, so the T-cell immunity is really the key to global health recovery in our view, uh, number one. And number two, it's relatively, I won't say it's easy, but it's not that complicated to make our haptonized viral protein vaccine. And in fact, we made the vaccine for our um, mouse experiment, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, so it, you know, haptons are, are readily av available, cheap chemicals. The process of making our vaccine is not that complicated. When you compare to some of the newer approaches where there's an, a huge amount of, uh, you know, of complexity, in, in manufacturing and distributing these newer vaccines, we thought this could represent a competitive advantage longer term. And thirdly, I mean, our view is that we will, we, we, we will over time, you know, when we have the data, we, can, we will be able to demonstrate that we have a, uh, we're likely to have a superior safety profile. And, and the reason why we have this confidence is uh, that on, on the cancer side, you know, there's been over 500 human volunteers that have received the haptonized cancer vaccine where we have all the safety data. Um, so we did a an animal study in vivo with with our with our COVID vaccine candidate last year um, in mice and uh, fifty six mice and and the data was 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 really was really mind blowing and we had a ninety six point four percent efficacy for antibodies with the vaccinated mice uh, if you look uh, that we had four different dose groups the uh, using the what's the titers you could see that the antibody levels were dose dependent and on the two higher dose groups, there was effectively 100% efficacy for T cells. And in fact, the entire suite of T cells that you want to see, you know, after uh, vaccination. And in, we, we all, in, in addition, uh, we had Ohio State University run an experiment. So Ohio State University uh, 
has a lab with SARS experts, COVID experts. They have a BL3 security lab. They can experiment with live COVID in large virus, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So uh, Ohio State University, they ran an experiment with zero from our vaccinated mice, and they observed what's called a neutralizing antibody. And not really on the antibody side is really the holy grail. Is it what's called a neutralizing antibody? Because non-neutralizing antibodies are bad news. They, a neutralizing any, antibody is what you want to see. Uh, and then in terms of safety, in all of the vaccinated mice, there was not a single material observable side effect. So effectively, you know, there was no toxicity. There was no serious tolerance issue. Uh, now, of course, that's in mice. It's not in humans. So, I, you know, we can't make any claims about safety and efficacy in, in a human trial. But, you know, for me, when I see a vaccine, an animal study having almost 100 percent efficacy with no side effects, I mean, it looks it looks it looks encouraging. Um, I would assume, James, and uh, I appreciate all that information. One of the things that I picked from it is the fact that you can get into that final tier, the 95 to 100% efficacy, that's a big deal from an investment perspective as well, because there's probably a lot of confidence right now in BioVaxis that in this new age, and I keep circling back to the world that we currently live in right now, people are looking for solutions. They're not looking for you know tests at this point. They want to see numbers. They want to see data. And right now, it looks like that's what you guys are pumping forward. Absolutely. And now, of course, uh, you know, if uh, the, the, the devil's advocate is that, OK, James, you've got a very promising vaccine. You have animal data. Uh, there, there's four vaccines approved in, uh, you know, in the United States, for example, under emergency use authorizations that have, you know, good efficacy data. They're already on the market. You know, what, what, what is the market left for you? And, you know, I mean, from my perspective, is that firstly, uh, you know, we'll see. But I, I do think that, you know, the excellent, the likely excellent safety profile of our vaccine, you know, with equal or better efficacy, means that 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 there is there is a there is an opportunity for for our vaccine. You know, thirdly, on top of this, there's the entire world, you know, which is not necessarily able to afford have access to these vaccines. Uh, then there, there there's the issue of whether. The, the vaccines that are rolling out, and there, there are questions about the, the vaccines, for example, that have been approved in China, whether they're inducing a, 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 you know, a T-cell response. And, and in fact, there's very little data on, on the T-cell responses for the vaccines uh, that are coming out in the West. But when you look at the, this particular question of T-cell immunity, that really is the most, most important question because the T-cell immunity is gonna be durable. And uh, you know, if you look at the uh, scientific literature, it's more likely to be cross-reactive against different variants than the antibodies. So hmm. you, you want a vaccine that induces a robust T-cell response. And maybe all the vaccines that are approved do. Uh, the data is it, it's not clear. I mean, hopefully they do. Uh, so, th But uh, let's leave the COVID question aside, I'll, although I'll come back yes. to it in our other product, COVID-DTH. But, but if you look at leave the question of COVID aside, what we have proven at BioVaxis is that our haptonized vaccine platform is applicable to viruses. That at least in animal models, we can produce excellent data and we don't have any manufacturing hurdle with our vaccine. So uh, there's numerous other viruses, other pathogens that we can go after. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think these viruses are going to stop. I mean, once international travels back, there's going to be some, you know, mares or some other some other version of, you know, some horrendous pathogen or some, you know, that all these pathogens will keep evolving, keep coming out. So, you know, having a technology platform that we can very quickly produce a vaccine candidate that is 
you know, as at least a reasonable basis for belief, will have, you know, good safety, excellent safety and, and efficacy profile, uh, you know, is, uh, is very exciting. So we, we see that there's a applicability of our platform to other, other viruses. And, you know, I'll mention uh, in terms of, uh, uh, one of uh, one of our existing products, it's preclinical, uh, is, a, uh, is, is a candidate, it's a haptonized HPV vaccine for adults. And we actually have a partner, which is ProCare Health, uh, which we can talk about in more detail later. Uh, ProCare Health is a large pharma biotech company based in Spain. It's a private company. It was actually spun out, spun out of Procter & Gamble. So it's a significant company. Mm-hmm. It's one of the leading players in women's healthcare in, in biotechnology innovations in Europe. Uh, so we partnered with ProCare Health on a number of different products, but one of the products is an adult HPV vaccine. And what's exciting there is HPV is, is on the universal health problem. And for women, you know, it can lead to cervical lesions and, and cervical cancer and to death. Ultimately, um, it's uh, extraordinarily common, both with men and women. Now, there are two approved uh, HPV vaccines that, that, that have excellent safety and efficacy data, but they are off label for adults, really anybody that's been exposed through sexual contact to HPV, those vaccines are not believed to work. There's no data to suggest that they work. Um, And there is an argument that the haptonization can break the tolerance and allow the immune system, you know, through T cell response to clear out HPV, even in an adult that's been exposed. Now, Mm. we need to prove that we need to, you know, so it's early stage. uh, But uh, it haptonized adult HPV vaccine has a potential to be a global blockbuster because, you know, probably 30 to 40% of the global population infected with HPV, some percentage of them will convert and want to receive this vaccine. So we, we see this as a huge opportunity. So again, we're not just staying with COVID, although we're quite excited about our COVID candidate. Uh, but uh, we, we see that we have the you know entire universe of viruses, I mean, not all viruses, but there are some viruses that, that we believe the haptonization approach will work. Is there one in particular, and I'm so glad you brought that up, James, because the world is so tunnel vision fixated right now on COVID and solutions to that. But, you know, for example, in my family, we're still battling cancer collectively. And, you know, I sit there and I say to myself, we're still looking for solutions and we're looking for ways to get healthy. So I, I guess my question to you, James, is when you look at the full gamut of, you know, challenges out there you guys are more than just a one-trick pony you guys have your hands in a lot of different jars right now and i think that's something that should make investors happy yeah i mean when you look at the aggregate expenditure on on cancer therapy cancer treatment uh it's 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 really a you know a mind-blowing staggeringly large number and to be able to reduce that expenditure and prove uh improve outcomes for cancer patients and creating, you know, alternatives. I mean, that, that, that is a massive, uh, I mean, not only economic importance, but it's a massive, you know, uh, mental and spiritual importance to everybody that is suffering directly and directly from, from the problem of cancer. So uh, we, now th- look, th- there, there has been innovation in, in cancer immunotherapy. And I would point out to uh, the field of checkpoint antibodies, which is now an $18 billion per year industry. And that's been a huge success in terms of cancer immunotherapy, uh, but it's not working. Uh, the checkpoint antibodies by themselves are not the panacea in all cancers. And that's really creating an opportunity mm-hmm. for us. And we see that the checkpoint antibodies we think will work very well with our approach. And in fact, our, our current generation uh, cancer vaccine platform uh, it, 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 it differs from the previous generation, which, in, which has already been in human trials, which has already has excellent clinical 
data. Um, but we, we're starting again with phase one because uh, Dr. David Bird have made uh, two important innov innovations to the technology. Um, the first one, uh, bioptimization, I, I will get into it if, if it's of interest, it's, it's a bit technical. Uh, and the second point is to really to combine it with a checkpoint antibody. And, and the reason why you'd want to do that is the way that checkpoint an antibodies work is that they effectively inhibit what are, uh, what are called Tregs from downregulating the T cell response to, to cancer. So effectively, cancer has various tricks to stay in the body to evade the immune system. And one of them is uh, it, it has a, a, effectively a, a, a biochemical mechanism to effectively downregulate a T cell response to the can to cancer antigens. So, so checkpoint antibodies work very well because they they block the ability of cancer to evade T cells. Now, think about uh, my uh, BioVaxis technology platform. Based on our earlier conversation, we're inducing a robust T cell response to antigens, be they viral or cancer. So in this case, cancer antigens. Mm -hmm. So if you can induce the patient's own immune system to mount a T cell response against their own cancer antigens, and you combine it with the checkpoint antibody, which prevents cancer from evading T cells, then that could be, that will be, at least we think it will be like uh, effectively, like let's call it a one, two knockout punch. Where uh, And we, we, we uh, so we're very excited. We, we have a, uh, our lead cancer vaccine product is our ovarian cancer vaccine uh, candidate. Uh, we, we, are, uh, we will do a phase one uh, compassionate use trial in, in the European Union uh, with our partner, ProCare Health. I mentioned ProCare Health earlier. It's a very large pharma company based in Spain. We're very honored to be partnered with ProCare Health. So ProCare Health is going to do the trial for us. Uh, they have all the infrastructure and resources to do this trial in Europe. Uh, and ProCare Health is making a 900,000 US dollar in-kind investment into the phase one trial, which is a huge, um, uh, it, just a, it, it, it really should provide some assurance because you've got a very large pharma company that's putting skin in the game and really standing behind our technology and helping to support our, our phase one trial, uh, which is great because that reduces uh, you know, our financial contribution, but mm -hmm. also uh, provides really the strongest of all possible, possible partners in Europe uh, to advance the product. And uh, you know we've we uh, uh, we've get what we've given up given up for this in the partnership is we've granted exclusive marketing rights to Europe and to the UK to Procare Health, but uh, it's a fantastic arrangement. We're very proud of that relationship. And uh, ovarian cancer is is uh, is a huge problem for women that are fortunate enough to to get ovarian cancer. It's a huge unmet medical need. Uh, checkpoint antibodies don't work that well for whatever reason in ovarian cancer. Uh, so we, we, we think we're, 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 well, based on the previous um, generation of our technology, finished a phase two trial for ovarian cancer uh, and with excellent data. So we're going to, we're now taking that, we're, we're starting to get in phase one, but we've improved the technology. As I said, uh, we're, we've added a checkpoint antibody that's covered now by provisional patent application. And then the other innovation we have is what's called bihaptonization and not to get too too deep into the weeds, but uh, just uh, from a high level, high level summary, uh, that the ha haptin is either hydrophilic or hydrophobic, and the previous generation of our technology, uh, we, we went with one particular haptin, uh, or pre the uh, it, it effectively, and but by combining a, a hydrophilic and a hydrophobic haptin, it allows the vaccine to interact with the entire 
cell because some parts of the cell are going to be hydrophilic, some hydrophobic. And there was no uh, issue. It doesn't seem to be any basis for an issue with toxicity or uh, tolerance problems. So in other words, we, we, uh, and there's some data to support this at its early stage, but we believe it will demonstrate that the bihaptonized vaccine will result in even better results than the single haptin. Uh, and so, we'll, so that's effectively our current generation's bihaptonized vaccine, and we're adding the checkpoint antibody. And uh, we, so ovarian cancer is really the first start, but then we're, we can go after any any solid resectable tumor. Uh, we we can go after. So it's a, it's a huge. Uh, there's, I mean, the verticals that we can go after with, with our platform, just on the oncology side, is, is massive. You know, James, two things here. One is, you know, ovarian cancer is one of the top cancers. It's in the top five. One in 78 women will have a challenge with that in their lifetime, um, which to me speaks to the fact that there is still a very big need to take this battle on. James, I got to ask you a personal question, just between you and me. The information that you've presented to me is overwhelming and overwhelmingly positive. When you're at home, are you able to turn that off? Are you able to still be like, <laughs> like, are you able to, you know, watch sports or go to the movies? Because to me, I got to think there's just a million things going on in that head of yours. Well, I mean, luckily, you know, I enjoy what I do. I mean, I, I, you know, we, I didn't have to co-found Biovaxis. I, I believe in the technology. I want to carry the flag forward. Uh, to get in the clinic and ultimately to get to the point of commercialization. So for me, this is not work, it's pleasure. Um, of course, there's a lot of labor involved and, and, and you know, uh, complexity and, 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 and you know, it, it, a lot of, uh, you know, small irritating things. But, but I would say that um, it, it's really uh, an honor and a pleasure to be burdened with, you know, all, all, all of the, uh, all of the, the, the tasks related to running this company. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously I need to have time for my children and hit my, my lovely wife and, uh, um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, the, for, for me, you know, my, and I'd say for my entire executive team, you know, we're, we're all in on, on, on biovaxis. I mean, this really is, uh, you know, we, 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 we will get this to the point of commercialization. Well, and, I will tell you this, James, uh, just to wrap this up, my family, my father right now is battling cancer. I'm the one that drives him to and from all of his appointments. We need people like you in the trenches because sometimes we look at each other and we don't know the speak that the doctors are speaking to us sometimes. But now that we know there's people in the background that are working for us, we can put a face to your work and um, it's invaluable. We couldn't do it without people like you fighting, fighting alongside us. We don't get a chance to really often see the faces behind that are doing the testing and the development and putting their money where their mouth is. But just want you to know that there's uh, a family up in Vancouver, Canada that really needs your work. And uh, I really appreciate your passion for it. So James, thank you for everything that you do. We are huge fans of BioVaxis and more than anything, thank you for making time for me today. It's a great pleasure and we'll do our best. And, uh, you know, uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. 